Welcome to our next episode, and we are really, really excited. Today is the spotlight, yes. and if you're a regular viewer, you know that we don't always have spotlight. Bearsaba usually hogs all the airtime, right. and and once in a while, we're able to twist the arm of someone we really respect and think a lot of, mm-hmm. who has done some great things in the world and put them in the spotlight, and that's what we want to do today, and we're super excited to have Mr. Jeff Levitan. He is the principal and the founder of a company known as Better. And he's going to tell us a little bit about that. We're, I'd love for him too. Yes. And he's done a lot of other great things too. So before I butcher what you've done and who you are, Jeff, why don't you start off by, if you would, well, first of all, welcome and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to in these turbulent times. Well, great. Um, James, thanks for having me and Bear. I appreciate it. I'm I'm glad and honored to be a guest on your on your podcast today. Uh, you know, if I could maybe set the framework a little bit of my upbringing, I think that helps a little bit. And certainly uh, whenever you hear about somebody or from them, you want to know a little bit about them. And, and so I think I grew up uh, uh, what I would consider a typical middle-class kid from the south side of Chicago, um, blue-collar family. My dad was a truck driver. My mom waitressed. They struggled financially. I've got one brother, a little bit older than I am. And our childhood was tattered with uh, watching our parents argue over the lack of money and the struggles that came from that. And uh, as a as a young child, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I knew what I didn't want to be. And I didn't want to be broke. I didn't want to struggle financially, sort of that pain avoidance mentality. And so uh, whatever whatever that was that hit me in the heart, I think it found a little bit of my why. I, I need to get myself um, away from this poverty mentality and get myself financially secure. I did end up, I was at community college and then went off to a university and got a finance degree and went out into the workforce thinking, all right, now I'm going to go out there and go to Wall Street. Well, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any connections. It's more who you know than what you know. And uh, I ended up in a corporate job I didn't like and a cold calling during the day by foot back in the old days. You know, we, there, there weren't even cell phones, I think, in 1993 when I was, you know, maybe a bag phone or something like that. But uh, we went out and cold called by foot. Oh. And uh, I built a good thick skin and I built uh, an ability to handle rejection. And, um, you know, that served me later in life. And one day someone introduced me to the financial services industry. This was 1995. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought this is financial planning. It's more what I wanted to do. I could help myself. I could get into what I wanted to and help other people. And so I built a bit a practice in the financial services industry, mainly focused on the middle America swath. A lot of people in finance go for the money. They go straight up to the wealthy. The whole goal is to get a few billionaire clients and you're done. And I went the other route. I wanted to help those that needed it the most uh, that were like my family growing up. Uh, And so I was more of an educator and I educated people on financial literacy and what that looked like. And then I also got into teaching entrepreneurs to get into that industry. And uh, back in the 90s, I, I did very well. It, it was it was well suited for me. I found it, I was guided by my why and founded my I found my skill set in that industry. And uh, five short years later, I had 
uh, a, a sales force of thousands. We were doing millions and millions of dollars of business. And I was what I would consider at that moment to have been really successful. And so I did the only logical thing when you grow up a blue collar kid like the movie Rudy, the goal is to end in middle management and retire. Uh, when I got this kind of money, uh, I made a decision when I was down, which you should never make a decision when you're down because that's not you, that's your fear making that decision for you. And I retired at 30, th the age of 30. I retired. I moved down to Florida, Miami. I was single, rich, young, um, as good looking as you could be with this kind of a face. <laughs> and, um, and I had a lot of fun. I thought that's what I needed. And literally, it only took about 90 days. That didn't last long. Three months later, I was miserable. And uh, I realized I needed a vacation, not retirement. I was a little burnt out. And I made a, a bad decision at a bad time. And uh, at that time, I, I, I realized I need to get back uh, into life. I needed to get back into making a difference and having purpose. And at the, it was at that moment that it was just put on my heart. I started praying more than I usually did. I started thinking more about what my purpose was in life and what my skill set was. And, and I wanted to get back into what I was good at, but I, I needed a purpose that was higher than money because I, the money didn't make me happy. Uh, the first swath of it did, by the way, buying stuff for the first time, having nice things, um, having people go ooh and ah, and wow, you're you're great. I, I really was, I think the, the meaning behind it was to impress others. And um, the law of diminishing returns kicked in and I wasn't going to work nearly as hard for money uh, as I did the first, the first round. And so it was put on my heart to help. I, I realized what I was missing during retirement was contribution. Mm -hmm. And so I said, where can I contribute the most? And I started thinking about philanthropy and charities. And uh, I said, well, I don't have a billion dollars. I got a few mil. Like, where can I do the most good with the least amount of money? And I thought, well, developing countries and orphans. If I can help kids that have nothing, even a low chance of survival, um, I could probably save some lives with, with the money I have. So I started a children's charity called All for One in the year 2000. And I went to Nicaragua for the first time. It was my first developing country. And I saw things I can never unsee on that trip. I saw a beautiful country. I saw beautiful people and I saw poverty like I never saw before. All my self-pity went away, kids on dirt floors, no shoes, no electric. And, and, and as sad as that was, they were more joyful than all the kids I saw in America with everything. And I, and I thought the dichotomy, it confused me. And I thought, well, I'm going to come help these folks. I'm going to help any way that I can. I partnered with Save the Children and Care. And I came home and I threw some of my money in and raised other money. And we built or refurbished a clinic in the mountains of uh, of Nicaragua. And we partnered on projects to help orphans and, and, and education programs. And it felt so good. It was the best feeling of my life, more than any amount of money I'd ever made. Couldn't wait to go do it again. Came home, raised more money, brought people with me. And, uh, and that was the beginning of All for One. Fast forward to today, we're in 26 countries. We built these things called child prosperity centers, which is think about a campus where there's an orphanage, a school, and a clinic. And it also is right in the middle of a community. And there's maybe even a community center element where the village raises the whole group of orphans. And they're integrated with other kids that aren't orphans in the community. 
And we've got two of those now, one in East and one in West Africa, one in Uganda and one in Sierra Leone. And um, along the way, I adopted kids and I've got children from Africa now also, and my uh, biological kids of my own, I, I got married and, and just, it's been a great part of my life. And I came back with fervor and business. I'm like, I need a billion now, but not for me this time. God, give it to me. Universe, provide it for me um, because I'm going to be a good steward of it and go save a lot of kids. And so that's where I'm at today. If you fast forward, I've got a big business. My business continued to grow. It, it's done hundreds of millions of dollars a year worth of profit. And uh, and I handed that all to my wife a couple of years ago um, so that I could pursue more philanthropy. But then other business things hit my plate and I can't help myself. So I'm standing up a few companies now. Better, B-E-T-T-R, being one of them. It's a fun um, experiment for me to use everything I learned over 30 years of successful business in financial services and to apply it to something new, supposedly faster and easier, although nothing's easy that's worthwhile. And um, and I'm in the throes of the greatest times of my life, I believe, right now, because I'm, I'm, I'm working as hard as I ever have, but with wisdom alongside my work ethic and a little bit of money behind me that doesn't hurt either in resources and friends like you. I think relationships are a big piece of wealth. I, I think people discount that as much as you're trying to, if you're a day trader and you're trading money every day, or you're a real estate investor and you're looking at property, I think every day you ought to work on relationships because that to me, that's the greatest form of wealth that never goes away. Uh, you can lose money, you can lose a property, but if you have real true friendships, that's a form of wealth that's probably the most valuable. So that's where I am today. And I've always been a big fan of, of yours, James, and and uh, obviously studied your great journey. And I'm so impressed right now with your, I call it the redemption tour. It's more <laughs> than a tour. It's not a musical tour because it doesn't end, right? But right. It's, it's where you are in your life and what you've been through and how you're coming back is so inspiring to me. And I'm so glad we got to I was I was a, a fan from afar, and now I feel like you're a friend in life, and uh, I'm I'm going to be right side by side with you on not only your redemption tour but the journey from here on in, and uh, and I think it's a great message for so many people out there that are lost or think that um, they can't be redeemed. So wow, <laughs> yeah, I'm wow. Cool. Where where do we where do we begin? <laughs> I know. So. What a what a story. And and this is this is why we're attracted to you mm -hmm. um, because of who you are. And and so let's let's back up for a second. I'm really fascinated that it took you all of 90 days to realize <laughs> that the big life and and oh, yeah. the high life in uh in retirement was not where you wanted to be. Now, if you if you look at 30. at 30 years of age, right? And yeah. so if you look at people who retire and the research tells us this, people who retire and they don't have something some purpose to drive them, mm -hmm. they they expire very very quickly. They literally die, literally die. And so here you are at 30 years of age, you're living the life that so many of our young viewers today would go, oh, my God, you know, if I could move to Miami yeah. and have have the 
the Ferrari and the bling. And, and there's so many people on social media That's where this, sure. this will be showing mm -hmm. who are going, look at my watch, look at my plane, <laughs> look at my car, you know, and, and, and we're so conditioned. So here's the question. It took you 90 days to realize, Hey, there's more to me. There's more to life than that. Why is that, that you learned that so quickly, relatively speaking, to the rest of society? You know, thank you. Um, I, I believe a lot of that is, I, I was self-aware. I, I think I was a little more self-aware than the average person uh, because of what I had done before in my career and in my life. Certainly when I got into financial services, just like when you get into anything, um, how are you going to differentiate yourself? And it's always got to be through personal development. It's not outside, it's inside, right? So I read all these books and I was a great student of wisdom and, and learning a lot of things, even in my 20s. And I became self-aware and I took things like you probably heard of the Landmark Education Program. I, I did that and I did other things, so many of them, right? And, uh, and, and I loved it all, by the way. It was all very beneficial at my rise. But I, the party guy, the fun blingy guy, the show off guy, it wasn't who I was anymore. And I don't even have a judgment call on that. By the way, for people, and I know you didn't grow up with anything too, being a preacher's kid, you know, when you grow up without anything, that's all you dream of is, man, someday if I could have that car, someday if I can get a Rolex, someday if I can get a big house, it'll that will be where I signal to the world and show them I'm successful. And then I'll get what? Maybe more respect, um, whatever else it is. Well, when you self-develop enough and you're not even that person anymore, it's fun to go get that stuff. And I think you should. I, a lot of people want to shame you like, oh, you're still, you're so shallow. That's all you want. I think you have to try it. If you try it and you happen to love it and get addicted to it and you need your, in your fifth Ferrari or Lambo, brings you the satisfaction is the first one, or you can't get a big enough house or enough jewelry, well, then maybe that is your identity and that's who you are. I think though, even those people are lacking a bigger purpose in their life. So in the meantime, until they know what else to do, until they intersect with somebody or something where they have the aha moment, um, I think they will chase down that path way too long. The 90 days was just long enough to realize that that's not who I am. It does, it wasn't congruent with my self identity anymore. My self identity was contribution, was helping other people, was making an impact in difference in people's lives. And then I flipped on the, I flipped it over so fast to selfishness again, where and and ego and and it just didn't bring me joy. It just it did not bring me joy. It wasn't who I was anymore. H had I tried that 5 10 years earlier before all the personal development, it might have stuck. But it doesn't it's not even an age thing, right? It's more of a personal development identity thing and and so I recommend everyone who's never had that nice stuff, go get it. Go try it out and see how much and how long the joy brings you because as someone goes nice car in the back of their head, what else are they saying? You lucky son of a gun. I hope you crash it. Like everyone's not really rooting for you. Um, there's a lot of jealousy and there's a lot of envy. And it's one of the ugliest personality traits out there. And the more stuff you have in an era where a, there's a lot of lack in the world, um, you know, the people you're trying to impress 
impressed, aren't that impressed at the end of the day. And, um, and so luckily that's a long answer for a short question, but I think my identity was not that anymore. And 90 days was long enough for me to say vacations over, let's get back to making a difference because at the end, my legacy is going to be about my family and those I made an impact and helped, not the stuff I acquire. None of it's coming with me at the end anyway. If it if my stuff doesn't serve me, I'm going to serve my stuff. And I don't want to be a servant to all my stuff. Right. I want the stuff I have, even if it is real nice, I want it to serve me or get rid of it. Everything nice we have is is on is on temporary loan. Yeah. You know, we don't we don't own anything. We we think we do, but it's not really ours. It's it yeah. you know it's temporarily loaned to us. And let me let me ask first of all, as you were speaking about getting a lot of things, mm-hmm. this this quote from the great philosopher and mystic Pythagoras, who was brilliant, mm-hmm. um, stated: "If you want to know the oh. emptiness of things, desire them." Now, now, I would. I'm with you, Jeff. I think we both are. I would. I would not tell you as a viewer don't desire them, because sometimes, and it's. And tell me if this resonates with you, Jeff. But sometimes the way to figure out what you don't want is to take it to the limit. That's right. You know, I mean, try it to know you don't like it. I don't. I don't have. I, I think people ought to try things. I mean, that's the best. You know. I don't know about dangerous things that might risk your life, but I think people ought to try. They, you know, you've heard "be careful what you wish for." I always was confused by that. What do you mean, "be careful what you wish for"? Shouldn't you wish endlessly and as big as you can? But I think what they really meant was, when you wish, you obsess, and when you obsess, you work and and sacrifice for something and it might not bring you what you thought it would when you finally do get it. So be a little careful on the front end or you're going to be super disappointed on the back end. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a philosophical question and and I'm not sure what your thoughts are on this, but I'm I'm working on a new book and I, I don't think I've even shared this with you. But I'm working on a brand new book. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm going to save the title because um, it's <laughs> it's going to be a game changer. I I believe, uh, but nonetheless, um, I'm talking about in there this whole there's this whole debate, and I'm sure you've heard it one one at one time or another. Is it nature or is it nurture? Mm-hmm. And and the way that that's defined is did. You know, if we look at epigenetics, it tells us that 51% of who we are is comes through our genealogy and and it's handed down to us in our DNA from our parents and our parents' parents and our parents' parents. And and so so that's a lot. That's a lot. So that would be nature. There's certain things in my nature. Hmm. Nurture would be my upbringing and my my direction by my parents and by society. And it doesn't sound to me, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, that you had a lot of nurturing in the direction of contribute to the world, son. You know, you had a lot of nurturing around don't be broke, son. And and this disconnects relationships. Mm. Um, again, a philosophical question, and maybe you've contemplated it, maybe you haven't, but 90 days, again, is pretty darn impressive to do a turnaround. Do you, do you think that 
was more of your nurture? Is there more to what your parents brought you up in? Or do you think it was more innate? I have to say it's innate. I, I do. I believe on that nature side, and it's way more reflective when you watch National Geographic and animals, which, you know, you watch, they are what they are, you know, and and human beings, although our brains are are bigger than most and, and our ability to reason, uh, to me, I feel like there's a lot of the nature of the beast and the nature of the person and the DNA and the the nature side. The nurture is great. My parents is they're great. They're great people. They loved us. They did the best they could. Um, everyone in our environment, all of our associations were blue collar, hardworking people just getting by. And I don't think that they did a lot of personal development. I don't think it was part of, I don't remember growing up at the breakfast table and kitchen table and talking about philosophers or philosophies. I don't remember talking about any of the, the even the the old timers, the old Zig Ziglar's and Brian Tracy's or any of those, that was never brought up. We just, I was never in that environment. So when I did get it, it was refreshing and I consumed the heck out of it. But my nature is what brought me back more than my nurture. So that's just my opinion. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, could have retired and stayed that way. I, I, I have friends that golf every day and their rest of their life is hobbies. And um, I'm, I'm, and I don't criticize them. I'm not designed that way. I actually get more done on if I take an extended break. Five, a few days is fine, but once it's ten days, I'm going stir crazy. Day six, seven, eight, nine, ten, already coming up with business ideas, what to do. Got to get back after it, and that's got to be that's got to be nature because I don't need the money. Yeah. So why do I keep going? You know, yeah, yeah. it makes yeah. sense to me. Bearsville sure. and I are the same way. We. We went on an outlandish vacation together for 10 days. Yes. We hadn't taken a, a big vacation <laughs> since we'd been together. And we went literally on an, it was very, very costly at a, at a very nice place in Cabo. And we were, yeah, it was, I mean, how much can you lay on the beach and eat eat fish tacos? You know, I mean, <laughs> after a while, yeah. we got to yeah. do something meaningful here, you know, I mean, uh, we're getting, that's gotta be your nature. It, uh, you know, some people are the beach bums, let's call them or whatever. And they just dedicate their life to hanging out. They don't want for much except a great wave. And I don't have a criticism towards that, but I just think once you are self-aware and you know, what really moves you, you got to be true to yourself and, and pursue it. I do think on the blame side though, you got, uh, you too, I, I think a lot of people use the nurturing. They want to blame their parents, their environment, their society, their upbringing. So when it comes to the blame game, I think it flips. They they say, "Oh yeah, 90-10, it's not my fault. It's it's uh, my parents' fault. It's that teacher who told me I never amount to something whatever." And 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 we all see some people use that adversity to springboard them into proving those folks wrong and some people use it as the cross they die on and uh and use it as their 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 to prove up their victim mentality right yeah. totally totally agree with that and that mm -hmm. you know until you take absolute responsibility for every single thing for in sure. your life you have no power to change it you know if it, if it's someone else's fault then you're a victim you you can't you can't do anything to change it um, and i've heard you've heard this victims never win and and winners are never victims that's that's so correct. I, there's not a win at the end of the victim game 
If no. it is a game, I'm not saying it's a game. There are true victims out there. You could be mugged or robbed or shot. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. But using a victim mentality, it's always someone else's fault. Woe is me. There's no success at the end of that story. You may garner a little sympathy for a little while, but at the end, it's it's dead. It's there's no win at the end of that. So the quicker somebody can get off that, whether it be true or not, the better for them. For sure. Absolutely. So let's for shift sure. gears here for a minute. Uh, let's let's go global. What what do you believe, Jeff? And and nothing's off limits in our podcast. We've talked about <laughs> everything from what is a woman I'm getting nervous to now. you know oh, all, no. all kinds of things. Paris has <laughs> got a lot of opinions on what is a woman. Um, but <laughs> what do you believe to be the greatest challenge in our world today? Mm, good question. So. I heard the the philosopher. I'm gonna now. This is I'm gonna pull a James Ray here, and I and don't and and I'm not even sure it's 100 correct. But Cicero, the philosopher, said that one of the repeated mistakes throughout history of mankind is people trying to get other people to live like they do. It's like when you conquer a nation or when you have a neighbor or a family member, you feel like I live this way, I think this way, you ought to live like me and think like me. So you spend so much of your energy trying to convert people to be more like you. And in a simple relational way, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, the old relationship book. Everyone's attracted by the differences until they get married. And then they just nip on each other and chew each other apart because they don't like the differences anymore, although it was the initial attraction. So I think one of the things is uh, is constantly trying to make everybody think or live like you do. And that's where all war is bred out of. And that's where all hate comes from or dislike. And um, there's a philosophy, live and let live. Uh, but I also believe that that comes with as long as the way you're living isn't hurting my life, live however you want. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one of my belief systems around a great mistake that I see going on everywhere in the world. You should be more like me. Yeah. And, and do you do you I think? And, and this we'll we'll get a little more granular here. Um, do you do you believe? In your opinion, we all have the right to our opinion. It is. Is that a big issue for the United States in your mind that we believe the world should behave and be like us or is it something else? You know, great question. You know, without getting without getting political and I can real quick. I've got so many opinions not and it's and it's more general. You'd be surprised at what my opinion is on some of this stuff. But I, I think the world looks at America, and I've, I've traveled the world now with my charity, mm -hmm. and a big percentage of the world is enamored by the American way, and Hollywood did had a lot to do with that. We were really out and in front with our movies, and a lot of a lot of the senior, most influential people in countries grew up watching American movies, or or grew up if you're privileged or powerful in these countries. You saw America and you were intrigued by it. But there's, you know, it's got its it's got its problems too. It's a very young nation. It's it's one of the youngest nations everywhere, of anywhere. And um now we're already just just 
being in a, a, a couple hundred short years and we're already starting to evolve and not for the better. It was easy to um, to grow at a very fast rate, like a startup. I got all these startup companies and you can measure yourself by percentage growth increase. Well, when you start with zero, your percentage growth can happen pretty quickly. Right. So uh, once once time, all these new economies, as they age and get bigger, you're seeing it. Like the as the middle class grows in India, they're now having different issues that when they didn't have a middle class weren't issues. So every size and every every maturity phase, I think, of countries has its own group of problems. And I do think sometimes uh, the United States overreaches and uh, we want, but I think the intention initially is very good. We want, we want to push freedom everywhere in the world. I mean, ultimately the goal was to help the world become free. Um, but when you go back thousands of years, it's never been that way. So it is a dream and, uh, it's a dream that in my lifetime and yours, we'll never see. There's just, there's just parts of the world. So freedom is going to be in your mind like Mandela when he was in prison. That's where you're going to find your true freedom and the real world and not having people that want to be dictators and not having people that want to be authoritarian, um, we're never going to see a world without that in our, you know, so um, that's one, that's my, one of my opinions on that. Yeah, I no, I, I appreciate your opinion. And by the way, you can get as political as you, as you want or don't want to be <laughs> uh, here. It's okay. Um, but nonetheless, I, I think what I, what I realized and I, I learned this, have you read the book uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl? I have not. I have not. Yeah, the short story is uh, Frankel was a a Jewish psychologist who was taken into Auschwitz mm. uh, during the World War, and it's it chronicles his entire experience. And I won't go through blow by blow. It's it's a great book and a, and a great great insight that he had. But he came to this realization that there's a big difference between liberty and freedom. And here's how he defined it. He said, liberty is the ability to come and go and do as you please. But freedom, the ultimate human freedom, is the freedom to choose how you respond or how you experience life circumstances. Mm -hmm. And and I know for me, you mentioned Mandela, and I certainly it, can't hold a candle to what he did in prison-wise, but as you know, uh, I've I've had that experience, and and I realized that if I can be happy and fulfilled in a ten by ten, then I'm I'm pretty free. You know, I don't have a lot of liberty. I have to be here and do this and do that and do this. But but liberty and freedom are two different things, and and I I think. Um, that's what our constitution tells us. It doesn't tell us freedom. It says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, <laughs> so it's not even guaranteeing happiness. You you have to pursue it. You have to go after it. And so I can get going too, Jeff, as you well know. <laughs> uh, but but nonetheless, I think I think that's what's happening in the world today in mm -hmm. in our perspective is that there it, it sure seems to me and i'd love to hear your opinion on this that there's a lot of entitlement 
because you and I and Bersaba, you know, Bersaba grew up, one of her first childhood memories was bombs dropping in her neighborhood hmm. in Iran. And she had to escape with her family. Right. I mean, that's a pretty traumatic upbringing. And, and so um, you've had your challenges. I've had mine. And challenges make you better. And unfortunately, we don't like to hear that. You know, no. but, but what, what my experience is, and I'll turn this to you, is that there's a whole lot of entitlement this country owes me. God owes me. My parents owe me. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear what your opinion is on that. I really, you know, when I started my child, my children's charity, mm -hmm. people ask, well, why did, why orphans out of everything? There's so many wonderful causes and so many people are passionate about whatever they're passionate about. And, and I respect that. And I appreciate anybody pursuing, trying to make the world a better place. And I thought when it comes to entitlement, um, we're all entitled to one thing. And I believe this is just one of my things I believe everyone's entitled to just having a parent or somebody, a guardian protect you and help you get to adulthood, just protect you and help you get to adulthood. And, you know, there's 155 million orphans in the world today, even in today's day and age. And then without getting into the whole human trafficking thing, slavery still alive and well everywhere, just in a little bit of a different form. And, and so I think we're entitled to having parents or a parent, even one loving parent, someone looking after you until you can look after yourself. And so that's the one thing I think you're entitled to. All the other stuff, all the other stuff is optional. And so that's why that's the that's why I picked up that cause more than any other. Um, and I I got a big heart. I I feel for the people who are going through other issues and have other challenges. And all those causes are worthwhile causes. I just happen to pick up the one where I just want to I want to save these kids. If I could save a child that doesn't have anybody looking after them, then then that's where that's where I. But when it comes to entitlement, I come home from Africa now. Now I'll go to Africa and I'll see all these kids who have nothing and a very little chance of a successful future where I'm trying to get them to make it to adulthood. You know, in most countries, in and, and you've been there too, James, and and you you guys both been to developing countries. But they always say, I'm when I'm in Africa, especially, how old are you? And they go, I made six, I made eight, I made 10. I'm like, you are 10. Uh, they always say made. And uh, it's because a lot of them don't make it. You mm -hmm. know, and I know even in parts of India, they make that one you, in all over the world, they really celebrate year one. Because most children don't make it in those countries or historically in the past, it's a huge accomplishment to make one. We don't even talk about that in America. That's assumed. You know, there is some child mortality issues, but so few and far between that's an everyday thing in other places. So I come home from Africa where I'm with all these kids who are so appreciative to, if I give them a book, they're mm -hmm. so appreciative if I give them a little bit of attention and a little bit of love. And, you know, I come home and I've got six kids living at my house and, uh, <laughs> Hey dad, 
They barely look up from their iPad. They get mad if one of their several devices isn't keeping its charge. You know, if they can't scroll through a thousand shows to see, I just, and it's not even their fault, but this whole entitlement mentality that someone owes you, if you believe that, and a lot of people do, where does it, where does it end? And where does that leave you? If you don't get what you believe you deserve, you're going to feel disappointment, mm-hmm. right? You're just going to feel disappointed. So I think if you don't expect much out of the world, you can expect a lot from yourself. But if you expect little from the world, you're always going to be grateful. Your gratitude meter will be off the charts because every little bit you get, you're going to be like, wow, this is fantastic. Wow. And you're always going to be in a state of appreciation and gratitude and things are great. You're going to be happy like those kids when I go to these developing countries. And then I, I hate to say it, but depression is probably the highest in America. Why is depression the highest in America where everyone has everything? Because the stuff, the wanting only leads to disappointment and depression. It just does. And so, I don't know. Be careful what you wish for. (laughs) (laughs) I go back to that again. And uh, this entitlement mentality, man. I, I just, you know, when you grow up blue collar, you get your dad in your face, the truck driver with the tattoos. No one owes you nothing. You know, and I, I had that uh burnt into my head as a kid and I really I still feel that way. Most of my disappointment in my life is very closely tied to um enti- my, an entitlement mentality or thinking somebody owes me something. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I want to get so far away from that. Nobody owes me anything is uh is a happier way to live also. It it really yeah. is. And in fact I'll tell you what's a happy way for us to live is that we owe God. Literally, because we mm-hmm. have this incredible gift of life. Privilege of life. And, you know, God's greatest gift to us is the privilege of life. Our greatest gift back to God is to utilize it fully mm-hmm. and and to fulfill all of our capabilities. And I got, I got to tell you a quick story. I, I know you've read Harmonic Wealth or you've listened to it. it I love uh, it. It's a great book. Thank Big you. recommend on my part. It really is. I appreciate that. And I talk, I don't know if you got the part where I was studying in Peru and I I studied with a shaman back and forth for a number of years. And I started going back with a group of people and we were building schools in, mm. in the in the Andes Mountains. Okay. And and one of the experiences I had was there's these group of people called the Reed people. And they live on Lake Titicaca on Reed Islands. There's there's no ground. They're just they build these these islands of reeds and you step on it and and literally it sinks and the water comes through because it's just floating on top of the water. And so we went to visit these reed people and um, a couple of the people in our group had these soap bubbles and these little kids had never, ever been off this reed island. And the island is not much bigger than maybe an American bedroom, you know, and and so. We get up on the island and they start blowing these bubbles and these kids are going nuts. They're yeah. jumping and laughing and 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 playing with each other. And and it's just a very happy moment for them. And it, and it just struck me because at the time I had a really good friend in La Jolla who's hugely successful and he deserves it. He's worked very hard. He came up in the Bronx and 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 he had kids and his kids, their their first car 
was a BMW that they got. And they were kind of like, hey, you know, I thought, you know, these these kids didn't get as excited about a BMW yeah. <laughs> as these kids do about soap bubbles. And so, right. you know, they look like the picture of your kids there. I assume those yeah. the kids behind you. Um, but but I'm sure you you can relate to that experience, given your time in Africa. It just you have to stop and think every time you see it. And I don't know, because now that I have children and they're growing up, you know, everyone wants to give their kids what they didn't have. I mean, they do. It's in their heart. Out of love, they over give, give, give. And let's be honest, a lot of driven people that are business people work hard and they got the guilt factor because I'm so far away. So let me make up for it by buying you stuff because I don't, I'm not giving you the time I think you want. So let me just give you stuff and make up for it. And it never does. And the kids don't want stuff. They say they do, but they really want more time with their parents. And and so guilty as charged. I mean, I've done that too, but I see my kids and it's hard to impress them now. It's so hard to impress my kids with stuff. And so I'm I'm making a conscious shift to experiences now. And I'm like, no, it's gotta be, it's gotta be experiences that I share with them. Mm-hmm. And I've got to, I want to. My wife and I, we we want to go do things with all the kids because long after we're gone, that's what they're going to remember way more than than the car, than the bike, than the clothes or the Jordans, whatever they want. That's so temporary, but those memories will last a lifetime and we'll enjoy it too, you know? And so I'm shifting. I'm making that shift from stuff and things more to experiences. And uh, I think it's going to be a valuable shift. Have you yeah. taken them to Africa with you yet? I'm that's next on the chart. I want them to get older where they'd appreciate it. I tried it with two of my kids once. We were in Costa Rica and um and we we support an organization there that helps uh really young mothers, teenage mothers, kids 12, 13, 14 having kids and there's a great center there. A Dutch lady built this place where they're helping out these young you know, their their children having children. And so I brought my kids by there when they were a little younger. And I said, this is what's going on. And like, can we go to the hotel and the pool already? They weren't, they weren't there yet, yeah. you know? And I just think somebody has got to be ready. Right. Um, some days I want to bring my kids to Africa and leave them there for, for a year or two um, because of the way they're acting. I want, <laughs> I want them to be more appreciative and grateful and see what it's like that 90% of the, how the 90% of the world lives, but they're, they're about ready now. They're good kids. They're, they're really good kids, but I, I think it's ready. Two of my kids that are living, two of the six are adopted from Africa. One of them's from Sierra Leone where blood diamond was filmed and, oh. um, and where Ebola was his, he's a, his parents passed of Ebola when he was one. So that's, that's David. He's been with us since he was four, he's 11 now. And then the other one is from East Africa, Uganda, he was one of the first orphans in my first orphanage, and uh, he's living with us. His name's Danson. He's with us now. So we have two Africans. My wife's Vietnamese. Uh, so we got this big mixed family. Two of my boys have autism, so we have special needs kids. So I, I, I got special needs kids, mixed kids, African kids, you know, and I love it. We are what I think is actually way more um, representative of what America is. Yes. And uh, although I think there's this narrative going on about uh, that's divisive, that's trying to separate everybody. And I, I know so many 
so many families that are mixed and so many families that are all over the place. And when I moved from Chicago to Georgia, I thought, boy, they're probably gonna be really racist down here, you know, which in and of itself is a problem that I was thinking that 16 years ago. And I haven't seen so little of it. And someone says, yeah, that's because you're white. You aren't going to see it. But I'm very aware. I'm very aware, hyper aware now that I have African kids. And, you know, I just think I'm going to go political one moment. Okay. Go for I just it. Go say for it on it. here because I think people it. need to hear it. Yes. It is. And I'm not going to tell you my political stance. It's not Democrats versus Republicans. It's not liberals versus conservative. It is the governed versus the government is so mm. my philosophy right now. And the way you keep control of a of a, an educated, financially secure population is to keep them divided. That's a strategy. It's a strategy. And it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on. If they keep us off kilter, we can't come together to get real change happening. So how did they divide us any way they can? And I think a lot of, there's a lot of great politicians, by the way. And I think a lot of people are in there doing the best they can. But I think the underbelly of it all is bigger government telling us how to live our life. And whenever we start to get, the people start to get a little restless, then let's divide them. Let's just keep them fighting each other instead of us. And then we can get away with whatever we want, passing bigger spending bills, spending their kids' futures and their kids' kids' futures. Being a financial guy, I focus on that. But just taking away freedoms and liberties, let's just sneak it away in the middle of the night while everyone's fighting. And so I think it's an illusion. I think it's a distraction. I think it's a big magic trick. And so I don't think... So my friends that are on the opposite side of the aisle of me, um, I don't think they really are. I think we're all want for our children the same thing in our futures. I just think, man, we're easily manipulated. That's it. We're just so easily manipulated. And um, and so that, that's what I really believe is going on um, in this country right now. Very well stated. Yes, and I, I would add to that, if I may be so bold, because I totally agree with everything you said. I would add to that, not only keep us divided, but keep us in fear. If, That's it too. if, if we oh. can propagate fear, people mm-hmm. who are divided and are fearful easily give up their freedoms, to use your word that you mentioned earlier, easily roll over and say, hey, take care of me because I'm afraid. And and so, yes. yeah. Here's- so I so, James, I'm Levitan's a Jewish name. My dad's side Oh, was yeah. Jewish. I didn't. My dad's uncle had a concentration camp tattoo on his wrist. Um, my mom's side's Episcopalian. So people are like, "What are you?" Well, I, I was, I, I was undecided most of my childhood. I'm a Christian now, and um, I believe in Jesus. But I will, I will tell you that um, I love all the Old Testament stories, and I'm, I identify strongly with some of those stories and. And and those roots too, but I'd, I'd go to my grandparents' side, and and um, they'd have the menorah. We'd celebrate Hanukkah, then we'd come home to a Christmas tree. But it but it, we we weren't even into Christianity growing up either. Uh, it was all Christmas was about a fat guy in a red suit giving out gifts. Easter was about a rabbit with chocolate eggs. I mean, that's that was my life until I grew into an adult and figured out what I wanted to believe and be. But having said that. It was always my in the back of my mind, how did in some of these concentration camps and cities, 
How did a handful of soldiers keep thousands of starving, hungry, angry Jewish people at bay? And it was fear. It was totally psychological in the way a few people, which could have very easily been overran by the numbers, by the thousands. And they were all going to die anyway. And maybe some of them, it was the hope they weren't going to. But but even the ones that saw it and witnessed it still were afraid to rise up and go because fear is so, so powerful. And uh, And so, yeah, keeping us divided and afraid is the way to control anybody. So ask yourself, if you're watching this, if you were to measure yourself, how afraid are you on a regular basis? How many decisions are made out of fear? And how many decisions are made out of, and how riled up are you about divisive and fighting and you're in fight mode all the time instead of unifying? And um, and I believe, I believe so many people uh, are, are for no reason full of fear. Yeah. And, and so... I'm so with you. I, I did not know that you had uh, some Jewish lineage uh, in your background. I, I was, that's really cool. No, and, and Bersaba, um could probably chat with you all day about the Old Testament. She's reading it right now for the first time. First time in my life. Um, you know, we're a mixed family, too. I'm a, I'm certainly a white guy and, and she's she's Persian. So but she's never been exposed to Judaism or Christianity, but um, until just le- of late. And. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really it's fun for me to to watch her and and to have discussions around what she's reading. And she's reading all the way through. She started in Genesis. What book are you in now? Uh, Deuteron- um, Deuteronomy. Yes. Deuteronomy. Easy. Yeah. Right. yeah easy for you to say. <laughs> yeah. So so what's the solution, Jeff? You I'm going to ask you if you could solve all these things we've been talking about, division and fear and entitlement. What's a solution that you believe we as individuals can do and should do? Well, I think the solution, the world solution is love and 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 faith. And I don't mean religion. I got friends of every religion out there, it, it, but it's faith. It's just believing there's a bigger, there's a bigger um, meaning to life than what you're going through at this very moment. It gets you through the tough times. I think love and faith is the answer to your personal peace. And I think the answer to the solution is not outside of you. It's inside of us. And it's finding that personal peace. It's finding a way to be more peaceful and, and to be happier and, and enjoy this one life. I think the goal of life really should be fulfillment and and, and personal fulfillment. And, um, and I think we ought to spend time on that journey uh, of finding what that looks like. And, I, and it almost sounds... It almost sounds too simple or too easy, but everyone's looking outside for the answers. And I, I really think the answer is inside of each and every person. But as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, personal responsibility is a must. Take total total 100% responsibility for yourself, your thoughts, where you are in life, what situation you find yourself in today, and and realize that your your was it Einstein that said you can't solve the problems in your life at the same level of thinking you were at when you created them, which yeah. means most of your problems you created. Take some ownership of it, change the way you think, and you could change your life. Yeah. And so I think it's way more up here than it is out there. And but you got to take ownership and no one wants to do it. It's so much easier to blame someone else or something else and not take that ownership. So will it happen in our lifetime? You know, I wish it would. 
Um, do I think it will? I don't know. But you or a viewer watching this could make a change right now. Full responsibility from where I'm at and start learning more about yourself and why you think the way you do and be open to the only change comes with the change of thought. It starts at the change of thought. You got to think about something differently and then magically it changes <laughs> when the reality is it's all right here. Yeah, yeah. It was James Allen who said, circumstances don't make a man. They reveal him to himself. Yeah. And so uh, brilliant, you know, written back in the fifties sometime, but, but nonetheless, um, I would, I would totally mirror what you said. And and again, you read harmonic wealth and I'm a big advocate of not only what you think, but what you feel um, because feelings are the heart center. And mm -hmm. so when you get that congruence between your thoughts, feelings, and actions, then, then literally you move to a different world. You yeah. literally move to a different world. You view the world differently. You have entirely different interpretation and perspective. So um, we could talk all day, Jeff. And <laughs> we know you're busy and, and you could, you could, uh, we could pick your brain forever and, and maybe we'll have you back to continue on. But, mm -hmm. but I wanted to make sure that the viewers know something about your new venture, which you, you so graciously have not dove into um, really yet, but what is better and, and, and how, how is it helping the planet in your opinion? Yeah, it's just getting started too. Let's, let's be very clear. It's a startup. We're in year two. We've made we've made some great grounds. Um, I built a big company in the financial services industry, which is highly regulated, requires someone to get licensed. You have to really desire to be in finance. And people who are financially savvy think everyone should know about money and be good with it. And the reality is most people aren't. Money is just a means of exchange. And they're not that into money. Now, a lot of people are watching podcasts, are usually hungry for business and success. So you're, they probably fall in my camp. But I said, you know, all those years, a very, very small percentage of people really were successful in that endeavor. And I thought, well, what if? Uh, here's what everyone wants. What's one thing everyone wants? Well, they want financial security, but they want they want a better life. They want to have a, whatever their life is now, take a snapshot. Everyone wants it to get better. What does that mean? Well, depends what's hurting, right? What's the most important part of the car? The, the, the part that's not working that day, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the if your relationships are struggling, you want better relationships. If you're having health issues, you want better health. If you're if you can't figure things out and you're confused and depressed, you know, you want a better mental, you want a better mental state. Um, and certainly if your finances aren't good, you want better finances. So a better life was the brainchild of the idea. And we were going to create more of a landing page and, and tools, really quick hacks and really quick tools where somebody can go there and completely free, plug something in and find a few things to help them have a better life, a real healthy platform of tools and information and advice. The business side came when someone said, well, if, if having a better income might be part of having a better life, that's where the business side came in. Mm -hmm. And better income is a plug and play referral platform, no licenses, no cost. You know, there's so many businesses out there. You pay to join. You got to buy stuff. It ends up stocking up in your garage. You're trying to give it away in the holidays. Or you're paying a lot for something and you joined a business to make money, but you're going more broke 
being part of it. And so those were some of the flaws I saw in businesses. So I said, let's make it completely free. I'll eat the cost of getting the whole thing up and running and let it be a referral platform where you can refer things that that make an impact, a positive impact in an individual or a business, either helps them make or save money. We've got products that that uh, that do that across the board, um, save people money on their health plans, help people get out of debt in this moment where there's more consumer debt than ever. We've got programs that help businesses um, be more effective with um, the multicultural world we live in with translation software. We've got tools in there for tax credits for businesses to help them get money back that they're missing. The IRS never tells you uh, when they owe you money, but they're sure to tell you when you owe them money. Um, so we've got a, a handful of products. We're adding products every um, every couple months, and it's it's just it's just like you would refer your friend to a good restaurant if you thought it was good, or tell them to go read a good book or watch a good movie, but you get paid on it. You get paid for the referral. And the number one filter here, our philosophy is have fun. Number one. We think a lot of people, whether you're a business person or going through life, you're not having enough fun and you're going to expire at some point. You know, whatever your faith is, your body, your spirit, and this planet right now, this one time here, the time's ticking. You ought to have more fun. And I just look at the entertainment industry. If you go to a personal development seminar and it costs a few hundred bucks, it's hard to fill a room. But if Taylor Swift comes to town, she'll sell out the biggest football stadium (laughs) every day for a week for entertainment value. We're an entertainment-based society. So I think people want to have more fun. So my philosophy in the business is have fun, make a difference, and then make big money in that order. And so Better Income is a turnkey referral platform. Someone can sign up for free and refer people and get compensated. And uh, it might make a huge difference in someone's life, um, but it certainly won't hurt. And uh, and we're going to beef up the a better life, the site and the platform. We want your your books, your information on here, James. This is—I haven't even really invited you yet or asked you for this. But while we're while we're making asks publicly, um, I would certainly like you to post a lot of. You're giving away a lot of free content lately. I love it. Just your free, your good free stuff. We'll put there eventually. We might have a subscription site. We're not there yet, but certainly, we think if so, if there's good information that needs to get out, we want to push it out. We want everybody to have at their fingertips, all the good stuff. There's certainly plenty of bad stuff at your fingertips. And we've got to, we, we've got to overcome that with more good. So that's what we're doing with better. Really, really great vision, Jeff. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. yes, we, we would, we'll absolutely love to be involved with you in that. So, uh, it's now recorded and it's public record. <laughs> it's and, on both, <laughs> on record. On, on record. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're, it's it's really it's really brilliant because I know the specifics of a lot of your background and of course I've worked in a plethora of industries and there's very few to, to none mm-hmm. that like you described you don't have to fill your garage with product and you don't have to monthly continue to purchase things and you don't have to pay a big, you know, join fee and all of True. that. So it's really amazing what you're doing and the fact that you're you're bankrolling that yourself is is a tribute to you as well. So if if someone is interested who's viewing where where would they go to yeah. more information? Yeah, go to a better b e t t r 
no second E, a betterlife.com, or uh, you can go to better income right there. And uh, and that's where you would go to look into that. And, and, and please, we're at the formation phase. Give us a little grace for a little while longer. We're putting this all together. And the good news is it's working. The um, thousands and thousands of people are signing up and a lot of businesses and individuals are getting helped. And so as we're scaling, we're trying to scale as fast as we can. So um, we're having a lot of fun. We are making an impact and there's some people making big money right now, but I, I will tell you that, that um, give us a little grace. Everything doesn't look perfect and run perfectly yet, but uh, this, this is here to stay because it's, you can't kill a philosophy, especially one that's right. And having a better life is just, it's here to stay. Yeah. So and we'll I'll put, post it too, yeah. we'll put the link down yeah. below um, so that anyone who's interested can go. And we would highly encourage you to do that oh, for sure. uh, as well. So uh, Jeff, any any closing thoughts for our viewer today? Yeah, I would just say, you know, whoever's watching this, you know, to summate what we talked about here, wherever you are in life, um, think about this, two things. One, how can you get the most fulfillment and joy out of the rest of your life? The game of life isn't who acquires the most stuff or the most voters or the most anything. It's who has the most moments of peace and joy in their life. So you, you go for the right thing. Go for being happy. Go for having as much joy in your life as you possibly can, because that's what you're supposed to use the money for anyway. That's what you're supposed to use the followership for anyway. If it doesn't bring you happy and happiness and joy and meaning in your life, well, then it's then it's nothing. And then I would say also, remember, you got one life. What's your legacy going to be? God forbid you pass today have you created a legacy yet? What would you be remembered for? What can you do between now and the rest of your life to do something impactful? And I guarantee you, it has a lot to do. The secret is doing something for others, not yourself. But what can you do between now and the rest of your life to leave to leave a legacy? And so those two things uh, would be my two closing thoughts. Leave a legacy and find as much joy and happiness with the rest of your life as you can. Well, Jeff, that's why you're in our on our short list um we, we love you lots we we respect you and and yes. the person that you are and we just really really want to thank you for being here today and sharing so much genuine information mm -hmm. from your heart and about yourself and others and so god bless you lots of love to you and for the viewers we will be back next week and Bersaba and i will have another topic for you so we'll look we forward will. to seeing you all right, God bless, take care.